Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. I've been a part of King's for, well, the first time I, I visited a King's Cathedral and Chapels was 1987. I was a, a 12-year-old boy, and I got thrust into serving at a kid's camp with Pastor Brian Reynolds and thus began an adventure, the adventure of a lifetime. And it was a great dream of mine, hope one day that I could live on Maui and be a pastor at King's. And the Lord in His kindness to me allowed me to do that for 15 years and then brings me here, which is like, in my opinion, even better. It's even better because it's the Lord's will for me. And there are a few things about kings that is just so unique. And if if you don't quite understand some of the drive of kings and some of what makes kings just exactly what it is, it could see raise questions in your mind and your heart about like what's going on there? Why would they do this? And I hope to share a word with you today that's kind of a, maybe a, a cylinder in the engine of kings today. If you're new or you're, you know, you've been coming here maybe less than a year, I hope to bring some revelation to you so that you can help turn the engine of, of what the Lord is doing through us. So let's read this scripture together. And then let's pray, and then let's get right into it this morning, because I want to encourage you. You're critical to what the Lord is doing. Uh, for 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I'm reading from the NIV version, and I'm going to start with verse 8. It says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardship we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Yikes. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Father, speak to us today. You've put this in my heart. Help me to communicate. Give us ears to hear. And God, would you cause all, each and every one of us to elevate to another level of effectiveness in the kingdom of God, understanding, operating in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, be seated this morning if you're able. Some of the things that make kings what it is. There's, there's a myriad, that was for you, Pastor Daniel, myriad of things that, that make us a little unique in our uh, function in the kingdom of God. 
We're not the greatest church on the planet. All the churches of the that Bible-believing Jesus Christ, Son of God, proclaiming churches function uh, as a part of the great kingdom of God. And Kings does have some unique flavors to it, flavors that have kept me around, that's for sure. And one of them is taking great steps of faith. One of the things that Dr. Morocco, our global senior pastor, has and always will encourage us in is to step out in faith, to get out of the boat and walk on water because we serve a great and awesome God who will not fail us. And knowing that without faith, it's impossible to please God. You cannot please God without taking steps of faith. And so we look at this uh, passage here today, and we see the Apostle Paul. Now, if you're not familiar with Paul's writings, he wrote more books of the Bible than anyone else. In just to help you understand where he wrote them from, he wrote most of them from prison. We're so thankful he got thrown in prison because we've got the New Testament. So maybe you're facing some things that feel like your hands are tied. Paul's sitting in prison, and yet he has changed the world by simply writing some letters to some friends, and we have them today. He kind of repeats the same thing over and over in all of his letters. He has themes, and he might change the, a little bit of the way of his he describes them, but he has themes that he writes in all of his letters, and those themes are life by the Spirit. It's probably his number one topic as he encourages people, stop living by the flesh, live life by the Spirit. He encourages the churches of Asia over and over again to use their giftings to their fullest because judgment day is coming. And, he, there, and it's either a scary day or a great day. That's All of his writing has that tied to it. There's also leadership principles. He's writing over and over again to different uh, sons in the faith that he has sent out on his behalf in a leadership mode. And so he gives leadership principles that we go by today, and we're thankful for that. And also, there is the theme of prayer. If you read any of Paul's writings, you see this theme of prayer over and over and over again. And uh, so that's kind of what I, I want to highlight today is this passage with respect to three things and taking steps of faith. And what should I expect when I take these steps of faith? How do I seal the deal? How do I knock it out of the park? There we go. We got crickets in the speakers this morning. Love it. It's perfect. It goes with this message, and I'll, I'll tell a story in here in a minute that goes, that goes with that. Oh, Jeremy. Praise the Lord. So Paul, right here, let's take a look at, let's break down this passage here, and I want to encourage you in these three things. Maybe you're taking steps of faith. Maybe you're thinking about taking steps of faith. Maybe the Lord's spoken to you about doing something extravagant, uh, physically, you know, engaging in something, maybe changing some things, and it's a big step of faith for you, maybe giving in some way. And I want we, to look at this passage here together and clearly communicate, not only go for it, but equip yourself for those steps of faith. 
Uh, let's take a look. First of all, I want to point out that Paul intentionally on purposely tells them that he's going through some hard times. Paul has stepped out in faith. He is advancing the kingdom of God, which is one of the themes of this house. We're going to expand the kingdom of God. Steps of faith. We're going to go tell somebody about Jesus. We're going to start a new work somewhere. We're going to start a life group. We're going to start some kind of team. We are looking, by God's grace, we're looking to see how we can re-engage in our October big outreach. It frustrates me that two Octobers and one Easter, I have not got to stand before thousands of people and declare the good news. And that frustrates me and have thousands of families impacted. What happens to Paul here is normal to Paul here. So look, he's telling them, take a look at these, verse 8. We don't want you to be uninformed. And then he describes that they're hard-pressed. They thought they were going to die. He's not just speaking figuratively. They had in their heart and mind, this is the end, guys. I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments. I've had those moments where it was like, this is the end. Decided to swim around. Those of you from Hawaii, you might be able to uh, um, uh, understand what I'm saying. I decided to swim around Kalalau. I was on Kalalau Beach on uh, the back of Kauai, and I decided I was going to swim around this point and go to the next beach, Honopu, and I thought it was the end. <laughs> I had already started thanking God for everything he allowed me to do and was interceding for my kids. The Lord saved me. But I thought it was the end. I don't know if you've had moments like that. Paul was convinced this is the end because of what we're going through. And he wanted to tell the Corinthian church just how hard-pressed they were. Why would he do that? It's clear Paul wanted to make sure that when they face difficult times by stepping out in faith, they don't quit, that they're not the only ones. Steps of faith are a, are a flag in the invisible realm that for the demonic assignments to come attack you, for the devil and his angels to strategize against you. That is one of the normal things Paul faced. Whenever he would attempt to stretch the kingdom of God, take steps of faith that would that would impact the dark realms and communicate the gospel, he would invariably have things go wrong. Things not go right like he thought. Sometimes we think if we're going we're gonna to take this giant step and obey God and that everything's going to be easy if we'll just make that decision. That's not the way it goes. I'm not telling you that to discourage you. I'm telling you that so that when you take that step of faith, which pleases God, that God is pleased with, that the devil's not happy about it. In fact, he wants to do something, strategize against you, against his corporate body, and ask himself, what will it take for get, to get them to turn around and go the other way? Because whatever that is, that will keep coming at you. So I'm, here, let me, let me say it this way. Whatever is keeping you from stepping out in faith, that will continue to keep you 
from taking steps of faith until you decide it will no longer keep you from taking steps of faith. Paul's writing to these uh, churches, the church in Corinth, which had issues and problems. Read 1 Corinthians. Look at the things Paul talks about there, issues and problems. And he's telling them, don't be afraid to take steps of faith. I've overcome. The Lord has helped me overcome. You can do the same thing. Hardships. Anyone who steps out in faith is going to face hardships and opposition. Again, the devil is not happy. What kind of hardships? Well, there's different kinds of hardships. There's hardships that we brought on ourselves. This week, I, I wasn't thinking very bright. And I, I got frustrated because I was trying, I was going to do some grilling at my house. And I like to grill. I'm accustomed to fires and grilling meat. I've grilled on for, it's just kind of normal at my house. And I got frustrated because my charcoal was wet and it wouldn't light well. And I had a limited time and I got so frustrated. I, I just wasn't thinking right. And so I took that charcoal, decided I'm going to go just cook this meat inside the house. And I don't know why. But I dumped the charcoal in the dumpster. But it was cold. I put my hand on the side of the chimney. It's cold. There must have been one coal buried deep in there. So I worked about an hour in my house getting dinner together. I like to cook dinner for my family. My son comes running in, frantic and screaming, Dad. The dumpster's on fire. Now, I can't blame the devil for that. I can't go out there and bind demons, dumpster demons, dumpster fire demons. I did that myself. So we've got some, we put it out before it got the trees around it on fire. I know you've never done anything like that to cause hardship to yourself. It seems to be a common scenario for some people. I did that. But there's hardships that come uh, that are inconvenience, right? like a flat tire, you know, or just something just happened, and it's like, really? Okay. You know, those hardships, opposition. And then there's opposition and hardships that come because you did something for God, and it will come to you. If you make those steps and you make that decision, just expect it. If you give big in an offering, oh man, you're going to get, you're going to get uh, attacked in some way, or you're going to have some hardships or opposition in some way. If you step out of faith and you say, "I'm going to start this life group," fasten your seatbelt. It comes with the territory. Again, the devil doesn't want you to step out in faith, so he's going to try to make things awful for you. We did this uh, Easter egg hunt in Corvallis, Oregon. When I moved there, I was there for one year. And we did this outreach, first e big event like that in Corvallis. And uh, we had about 800 people show up for our first event. And I'm out there preaching like this, and uh, I'm talking to this crowd, and this man comes running out. 
these uh, stellar, brand-new security guys, didn't see him somehow, comes running out on the field, and while I'm preaching, gets right here in my face, and he's screaming at me. That's, that's not the same thing. That's something else. That's the devil trying to stop what the kingdom of God is doing. What do we do with that? Take a look at the rest of this here, and let's see what Paul's got going on. Paul understood opposition was normal when you're obeying the Lord. Flip right back over to the last chapter of 1 Corinthians 16. It's right across the page in mine. Look at verse 7. I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because, look at this, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. Wait, which one is it? Yes, and both. Paul is staying in Ephesus because there's a great door open and because there's people opposing him. It was a clear sign to him that he's doing something right for the kingdom of God because those people are trying to stop me and I'm not giving in to their intimidation and strategies and threats and hardships and opposition. I will not miss this open door of ministry. Those people are trying to stand in the way. We will overcome. I'm going to, I'm going to stay in Ephesus because that door opened and all those people don't want me there. Sounds kind of arrogant, doesn't it? Sounds like he's picking a fight. But in the kingdom of God, we are definitely picking a fight. We live on enemy territory. Your neighborhood, this land we live in, the world itself, this is enemy territory. And if you want to do anything for God, you are picking a fight with the devil. Here's the good news. Jesus has already overcome. You already won. You've already won. Let's take a look at, finish up our passage here. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse, uh, let's look at the end of verse 10. It says, On him we have set our hope that he will continue to, to deliver us. I'm sorry, back up. But this happens, the end of verse 9. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul can't say it any more clear that steps of faith, great steps of obeying God and stepping out in faith will put you in a position where you can't rely on yourself. How do you know it's a great step of faith? Because it's terrifying. Because you in yourself will not be able to bring a conclusion to the matter. You are desperately needing God to intervene on your behalf. That's, how, that's one of the characteristics, that it's a great step of faith. And what does the Lord say? It pleases Him. The writer of Hebrews, like mentioned before, steps of faith please God. It's impossible to please God. So when you find yourself taking a step of faith, Realizing, God, if you don't intervene, I'm going to look like a fool. I'm going to fall flat on my face if you don't show up and on my behalf. 
and intervene, the Lord goes, yes! They finally understand. They finally got it. It's not in your own wisdom. It's not in your own ability, your personality and talents. It's in the, it's by God's power. We're relying on God. We're not building a building because we know how to do it. We're not building a building down there or doing outreaches or trying to go do that because it's easy for us to do. We're pleasing God, and we've positioned ourselves to need God to intervene for us. It's pleasing to the Lord. Those great steps of faith, regardless of how big or you know, compared to someone else, the steps of faith that you take that put you in that position is the greatest position you could be in. Because God is not going to fail you. God is not going to let you down. He's not going to go, oh, let's just leave them hanging there for a while and go over here and do something else. You get God's attention. God, You have the attention of the, the most high God by putting yourself in a position, obeying and stepping out in faith where you can no longer do this on your own. Go for it. Make those steps of faith. Make that action in whatever manner that is for you, your family, in whatever arena it is that the Lord's been speaking to you about, speaking to me about, He's not going to let you down. You can rely on God. I want to look at this last part with the last bit here, and it's so important as a part of the DNA of kings, and that's the realm of prayer. It's a being a person of prayer and being a people that pray. It's one of the it's it's one of the uh, the uh, I don't want to say dangerous, but it's one of the like hard to preach areas because the moment you preach about giving or praying, people's eyes just kind of glaze over. But I have to today because Paul linked God's intervention in his life to the fact that somebody was praying. Not perfect people. Not people that had it all together so then they prayed and God answered. He's talking about the church in Corinth for crying out loud. The church in Corinth brought about deliverance and favor for the apostle Paul. How's that even possible? These people had problems and issues. Just flip through 1 Corinthians and look at the topics Paul's correcting. They needed help morally, emotionally, structurally. They were a mess. And yet somehow Paul is crediting what God did on his behalf to them. Why would he do that? Let's take a look. Uh, verse 10, he has delivered us from such peril and he will deliver us on him. We have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Prayer. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. He's attaching it to them. 
That gives me so much hope. That fills me with so much confidence that me and my fractured, hello, I threw charcoal in the dumpster and set my dumpster on fire with raging flames, reaching up into the trees, everybody panicking and freaking out at my house. It was my fault. And yet somehow I, with my issues, can get the attention of the Most High God and release his power. If the Corinthians could do that, how much more you and me? God hears us and responds. I want to break down, I want to not break down, but I want to encourage you to a few things. First of all, as individuals, I want to encourage you, become a person of prayer. And I want to give some notes as being a part of this uh, house for a long time, many years. And if you're a note person, maybe you want to write these down. I want to point out Paul, first of all, Paul's description of some scriptures that point out his perspective on prayer. Ephesians 6.18, pray in the Spirit on all occasions, all kinds of prayers. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray what? Continually. Romans 12.12, faithful, remain faithful in prayer. And then the one I want to highlight the most is Colossians 4.2. It says, he's encouraging these church, these group of believers Be devoted. Somebody say devoted. Devoted to prayer. That's very different than the the westernized thinker. We live in a westernized culture. When it comes to prayer, being devoted is not something we attach to to that. We sometimes see it as laborious or maybe if we got time for it or I went to prayer but... I don't know what's going on. I just kind of sat there. I don't really know what's happening. Nothing. God didn't do anything. I, did, I was there. That's Sometimes that's kind of our, you know, picture of prayer. Sometimes for, for kids, picture of prayer is I'm not old enough or I don't know the right words or I, 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 I say something and then I don't know what else to say. Oh, God. Oh, God, it's early morning prayer. I went. So people stand in the back, you know, they kind of like hide behind things. Oh, I'm going to knock that over. Or there'll be, you know, I've gone to early morning prayer for a long time, 20 years. Uh, But there's kind of like this, uh, you know, pattern in early morning prayer. People will hang out way in the back because they're they're like terrified somebody's going to ask them to pray. Oh, Lord, somebody's going to call my name. What do I do? I don't know what to do. You know, that's kind of a westernized approach to prayer. That's not Paul's approach. Paul's is devoted to prayer. What does devotion look like? Well, devotion is all in. Devotion is a different framework, attitude, perspective. If you're a a soccer mom and your kids are in soccer, I'm just making it up and your kids are in soccer, and you're, you are fully devoted to soccer, what is it you do? Well, your whole life suddenly becomes shaped around getting your kids to the soccer game. You go get them the shoes. You go get them the better shoes. You get them their own ball at home. 
and you get a pump so they can air it up. And then you go get them a little, some kind of goal so they can practice. You, you, you start arranging things built around that soccer thing. I used to play tennis a long time ago. I did find out I can still run. Ask my kids, because I ran to the dumpster. They've never seen me run that fast. They didn't know I could do that. But there was a time I did play tennis. And I was devoted. Say it with me. I was devoted. Uh, I spent money because I was devoted. I rearranged time to go practice because I was devoted. What Paul is saying here is, in your life, prayer should receive devotion on your part. Dr. Morocco says it like this. Arrange your life around prayer, not prayer around your life, trying to stick it in somewhere. Very different way to approach your day, your life, your family. In being devoted, uh, a couple of things to, to keep in mind. We don't pray because of some sort of feeling or energy. That's not the fuel for praying. If you make our feelings and you know, our energy level, the fuel for praying, you're not going to pray very much. You will always find your feelings don't want to do the things of God. In fact, Paul writes to the church in Romans and he says, there's two ways to live. You can live however your physical body wants you to live, or you can live by the Spirit. Let me make it clear. If you live by the way your physical body wants to live, you'll never please God. But if you live the way your spirit wants you to live, you will always please God. Two very different ways. It's a nightmare trying to do both, I'm just telling you. Be devoted to prayer. Understand there are enemies to you praying. The first one is you. The first enemy is you. You have to conquer yourself to be a person of prayer. Your physical body doesn't want to do the things that please God. You're, you're you know, change, rearranging the patterns of life is hard to do. We, uh, we recently moved. I can't find anything. Our world is a mess. I feel like I'm living on Sanford and Son. And, uh, my whole patterns and rhythms have all just been totally destroyed. And it's, it has affected me physically. Now I think maybe I can get back into some rhythms. We have to adjust the rhythms of life to point out a place of prayer. If you don't, if you don't set a time frame to pray, you're not going to. Enemies of prayer. You. You. You've got to set a time to pray. Your flesh doesn't want to do anything uncomfortable. Comfort is the enemy of taking steps of faith. It will keep you from stepping out and obeying God, feeling comfortable. It, will, it, is, it is like anti-faith. Um, the world, the philosophies of this world, an enemy of prayer, suggests that there's more important things to do than pray. You can't have that mentality. You can't have that philosophy. If you do, you're not going to be an effective prayer person. 
And then the last one is a devil. And again, he's going to strategize, what does it take to keep you from being a person of prayer? He's going to keep different, to try different approaches. What will it take to keep them? Oh, I think we found something. Keep doing that. Keep that coming at them because it's working. If the devil wants to keep you from doing anything, there's two things as a believer that he does not want you to do. Desperately works his hardest to keep you from doing. One is sharing your testimony and sharing the gospel and telling someone God loves them and and telling them the gospel. Keep your mouth shut. That's what he works so hard, works diligently to figure out how to make you so afraid to talk to people that you won't talk to anyone about God's goodness and kindness. The other one is to make sure you don't pray. Now, why would he work so hard to keep those two things from happening? Because that is the means by which God's power is released. God has God Almighty, the great God who with one word created everything we're looking at, has limited himself to what we would pray. He has unlimited power, but he put a governor on it. It's called you and me lifting our voice and praying. The devil strategizes us. So we got to arrange our life around prayer. we got to understand there's enemies to prayer. If you want to be a person of prayer, you need to ask God for a revelation of prayer. It can't be something that, that you logically are doing. You know, logic will not let you take steps of faith because steps of faith don't make sense in logic. They don't say one plus one is two plus one is three. That's logic. Our mind wants everything to make sense and have it all calculated. We like that. It's, we got it all figured out. God does Steps of faith don't, that please God don't work like that. They're terrifying, and they don't make sense. You need a revelation of prayer. There's a big difference in someone's praying who has a revelation of prayer and someone who's just trying to fulfill a duty. Ask God to give you a dream, a word, a revelation, and a vision of the understanding of what happens when you simply open your mouth and ask God to do something. To, to thank Him for things. And then say, Lord, you can do anything. Would you release millions to Wally Pearson so he can make everything happen? Or whatever it might be. I'm just you picking on Wally because he's standing here in that nice Aloha shirt. I mean, sitting here. That beautiful law shirt. Hey, the last thing I want to encourage you in, in uh, being a person of prayer is get the right picture of God. Because distortion will rob you. Distortion. Um, those of you that wear glasses, or maybe you wear contacts, have you ever just put one contact in? How about, you know, like you stepped on your glasses and now there's only one lens, so you put it on anyway? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You talk about a nightmare of trying to figure out which what straight is. It's distorted. You can't see straight. You can't walk straight. You're getting nauseous. Your head's hurting. You hate everybody. You drink some coffee to feel better about it, and now you feel good about hating everybody. The problem is there's some distortion there. 
you got clear and not clear, and nothing makes sense. And many people have that same viewpoint about God, and it affects what God can do in your life. You must see God as good and faithful, and He's perfect. And because He's perfect, the way He works is perfect. His timing is perfect. His motives and intentions, guess what? They're perfect. He doesn't guess about anything. His wisdom, it's perfect. you got to see Him as wanting to bless you. You have to see Him as wanting to heal you. You have to have the right picture of God to be a person of prayer. If you want a good place to start getting the right picture, you want to look at the man Christ Jesus. He is the correct picture of God. Read in the scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What did he say? What did he do? What was his perspectives? What was his attitudes? Look at Jesus if you want the right picture of the Father. Today, I hope I, my hope in communicating this passage here from the Apostle Paul was to encourage you that if you're facing some major opposition because you took steps of faith, and all of a sudden it didn't look like you took steps of faith, and all of a sudden you made you made these choices to obey God, and you know it doesn't you don't see any evidence that somehow God is pleased and opposition and hardships. It, I'm encouraging you, keep taking steps of faith. God can be relied on. He has not abandoned you. He's not going to abandon you. But we face a real enemy who wants to discourage you and cause you to quit and give up and walk backwards. Doesn't want you to pray. Got to be a person of prayer. It is, it, is the, it is why things happen in the kingdom of God. Wishing doesn't make things happen in the kingdom of God. Praying makes things happen in the kingdom of God. Maybe you've never made a commitment to be a person of prayer. I just gave you some principles to get started. Pick a time of the day that you're going to pray and start. Maybe it's 15 minutes. What do I do? Let me tell you what I do in my closing thing here. I have a pattern of prayer. I come here most days for two hours to pray. My first half an hour, all I'm doing is thanking God and praising Him, singing songs, declaring how great He is. That's all I'm doing for 30 minutes. Sometimes my, I'm feeling brain dead and I'm really tired. So I'll open up the book of Psalms, and I'll find where it declares how God great is, because sometimes it's really hard. But for 30 minutes, and then for the next 15 minutes, if you've ever seen what I got over here, I pull out pictures of my kids and my wife. And for the next 15 minutes, I'm interceding for everyone, each one of them and the different myriad of things that our family's facing. And then I, then I move on from there and pray for extended family members for the next 15 minutes. For all my whole family, whoever God puts on my heart that needs, needs, needs turnaround, needs God moving their life. 
And then I spend time in the Word. I'm praying. I'm letting God speak to me from His Word. And then it's time for corporate prayer. And then we pray together. And after that, hello, it's been two hours. Whoa. Is it possible? Yeah, it is. Would you stand with me this morning? It's my hope to encourage you today to be bold in taking steps of faith, to not be discouraged that the devil opposes you, to be a person of prayer. Maybe you have made a commitment to pray some time ago, and you're like me, and oh, we've been moving here, and then somebody let my cows out, and kids camp. Oh, just some things have gotten you off track. I know. I've been physically affected this summer by the demand of home and my farm, my little farm and all the things. And it's gotten me off track. I'm getting right back on track. Maybe that's like you. Maybe you need to get right back on there. I'm encouraging. Today's the day. The Lord's speaking to you. Maybe you've never made a commitment to pray. Today's your day. You could start today. Not tomorrow morning. Start today. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.